Hello everyone, it's Mark Goodacre here. Welcome to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. It's episode 57 and today we're looking at Jesus and the Gospel of John. The most obvious and striking difference between John's Gospel and the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, is the depiction of Jesus it's just so different. You move into a completely different world when you get into John's Gospel. I was teaching John's Gospel this week in my introduction to the New Testament class, and the way that I introduced the Gospel of John was to play a little bit of the Visual Bible International film, The Gospel of John, where Henry Ian Cusick plays Jesus. And straight away in that film, because they have to depict every single verse in the Gospel, they have to find a way of depicting the prologue. And so instantly you have the voice of Christopher Plummer doing this heavenly style narration about a figure, the Word, who has had this whole history going right back before the beginning of creation and culminates in the word become becoming flesh in John 1.14. And that's the thing with John's Gospel, as soon as you get to the very first page, you know you're in a different world from the world of the synoptics. The cliche in New Testament scholarship is to say that in John's Gospel, the proclaimer has become the proclaimed. That what's happened is, whereas in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus constantly talks about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that, and he speaks in parables and so on. In John's Gospel, the discourse is absolutely direct and about himself. Kingdom of God itself is quite rare in John's Gospel. There's a bit of it in John chapter 3, but uh, not much of it elsewhere. And what happens is Jesus just constantly talks about himself. And the most famous thing about Jesus' speech in the Gospel of John is that he keeps saying, I am, ego I me in Greek, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life, and so on. Just constantly these statements about himself. And that distinguishes him radically from the Jesus of the Synoptic Gospels. It's so strange because when you're familiar with the Synoptics, and especially with Mark, you get used to the idea of a sort of secret Messiah. That when Peter finally makes the confession of who Jesus is at Caesarea Philippi, you are the Christ, and... As soon as he makes that confession, Jesus tells him to be quiet. It's a private conversation, and he doesn't want Peter to go out and proclaim it. But it's so different in John. Far from stopping people telling everybody else who he is, he himself stands up in public. He's in Jerusalem at the big festivals, and he's proclaiming his identity. So it's remarkable the difference that you get between John's Gospel and the Synoptics on this one. Perhaps though the oddest thing about John's Christology, if you're already familiar with the Christology and the Synoptics, is that when I say Christology, that that's just a fancy word for talk about Jesus, Christology, Christology. When you look at John's Christology, perhaps the most interesting thing is that the character of Jesus is a man who's come from heaven down to earth to call his own disciples and then to return to heaven and prepare a place for them to go to. 
A scholar called Wayne Meeks at Yale talked about this as the man from heaven in Johannine sectarianism. And it's a brilliant inspiration about the way that the depiction of Jesus works in John's Gospel. I like to use the analogy of E.T. If you know the film E.T., oh, you must know the film E.T., everyone knows the film E.T. If you know the film E.T., then what you have there is an alien, an extraterrestrial of the title E.T., who comes from another planet, and he calls his own, that small group of people, you know, Drew Barrymore and, uh, and Elliot and so on, and he gathers those disciples, as it were, together, and they understand E.T., they're his own, if you like, a bit like the disciples in John's Gospel. In fact, one of them is even like a beloved disciple, and John's Gospel famously has this character of the beloved disciple, and that's Eliot in E.T. And what happens is, ultimately, E.T. has to return to the place that he's come from after a kind of death and resurrection, again, just like in John's Gospel. And when he returns to the planet from which he comes, he promises that Eliot and others will be able to contact him, just as you can pray to Jesus in John's Gospel. I know the analogy is not perfect, you know, a few analogies are, but, but there's something about the way that Jesus in John's Gospel really does appear, something like an alien who appears from elsewhere, who's never quite at home on earth, and, and he's, he's going away somewhere else to go and prepare that place. Even in the iconic chapter of John's Gospel about being born again in John chapter 3, we should really be translating it there, being born from above. That's, that's really what's being said there. Jesus is saying that uh, the, the person that wants to see the kingdom of God needs to be born from above. And this is the thing in John's Gospel, it's a, it's a story about above and below. In fact, rather than just saying that Jesus is a man from heaven in John's Gospel, you might describe him as a stranger from heaven. And in fact, another prominent New Testament scholar called de Jonger called John's Gospel the story of a stranger from heaven. And in fact, Wayne Meeks, that I referred to earlier, so liked de Jonger's title that when he described his own essay about the man from heaven, he, he later in his career called his own essay the uh, stranger from heaven in Johannine sectarianism. But in thinking about the Jesus in John's gospel, there is a sense in which John too does have a sort of messianic secret. It is constructed differently from the messianic secret in Mark's gospel, in which people really do have to be quiet about Jesus's identity as Messiah. But in John's Gospel, it works a bit like this. What happens is, those in the group that surround Jesus, the disciples and those that believe in him, they actually can see who he is. They actually are able to interpret correctly what Jesus is saying. They're like the readers of the Gospel. The implied reader of the Gospel is able to perceive what Jesus' identity is and knows exactly what's going on. But there's a group who are antagonistic to Jesus. They're a kind of outsider group. Uh, John uses various terms for them, sometimes terms that verge a little bit on anti-Judaism because he describes them as the Jews or the Judeans or the Jewish authorities in a way that we find somewhat disconcerting to read now. But, but what's happening is John is trying to describe a group around Jesus who understands who he is and then a wider group outside of 
the of that community that doesn't fully perceive the identity of this Jesus. And when Jesus says things and talks about where he's come from, they don't realize that he's talking about coming from heaven and they'll say what was he talking about you know isn't he isn't he supposed to have come from bethlehem if he's if he's the messiah and so on. so and so they are consistently misunderstanding what jesus is saying in fact scholars talk about this as a as a johannine irony and really it is a sort of dramatic irony the reader always can see what's going on the reader has the key to knowing who Jesus really is but those within the story who aren't part of the group that Jesus has called just don't know what's going on I suppose those of us that are interested in history are a little troubled by seeing so different a depiction of Jesus in John's Gospel from the one that you find in the synoptics. After all, if Jesus did go around talking in the way that you find him talking in John's Gospel, then how come so little of that makes its way into the synoptics? And it really looks like what's happening in John's Gospel is the author is meditating on Jesus' words. He is creatively, he's imaginatively putting words into Jesus's mouth that express what he sees as Jesus's identity. And if you're skeptical about that, then one of the things I would point out is that in John's Gospel, Jesus talks in exactly the same way that the narrator talks. So sometimes you can't even tell where Jesus's speech ends and the narrator's speech starts. An absolute classic example of this is in John chapter 3, where you have Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and you can't tell when Jesus's speech stops and the narrator's speech starts. And in fact, those Bibles, like red-letter Bibles, that want to place the words of Jesus in red, have real trouble with John's Gospel, and especially with John chapter 3, because who is saying that most famous verse of all in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him may not die but have eternal life. Is Jesus saying that? Or is that narrator saying that? It's very difficult to tell in John's gospel. And the reason it's difficult to tell is the narrator's voice does just merge into Jesus's voice. It's a sign that the author isn't trying hard to depict accurately some kind of historical tradition about Jesus, but he's trying to express his belief about who Jesus is, what his identity is, as this stranger from heaven who has come to call